Me, I was, I was a, what we like to call a finesser. Hey, sometimes you gotta learn when to fold them. Or when to walk away. One day, I lost it all. You keep going until you lose it all. What's up, everybody? My name is Trent, and this is Crucifying Addiction. Man, we got something interesting for y'all because it's just me here. Bailey's in Waco, learning how to take apart a diesel engine. Uh, but I do got a special guest for you guys. Go ahead and introduce yourself, man. What's up, y'all? I'm Colby. That's my full government. <laughs> full government. Uh, yeah, you know, nothing much to me. Just want to kind of share my testimony with you, y'all today and see how it goes. Cool, Colby. So what do you do for work? Right now, I'm an operator at an oil field company, so we make different chemicals and whatnot, and so we're the ones that are batching the chemicals up, loading it into trailers, and uh, getting it ready for the transport team to take out to different locations. Sounds like good money. It's a, it's definitely a blessing, for sure. I don't take it for granted, you know? Cool. You've been in San Angelo your whole life? Yeah, born and raised, you know, born right there in Shannon. We call it the five, you know? I don't know if anyone calls it the five but me, but, <laughs> you know, that's what I like because three plus two, if y'all don't know, equals five. And that's our area code, three, two, five. So that's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I got to be honest, like you have just transformed over the last, oh, what, three months. So like just not not just like the thought processes, but I mean, just. Just the way you carry yourself, the the mannerisms. I mean, you know, there's just something on you, man. Uh, just seeing growth just out of, since I've met you, you know. Um, seem like a man that's just always growing, always changing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do just with me knowing too much now, you know. I feel like I've been exposed to God in a certain way to where I would feel evil in my heart if I were to willingly and knowingly do things that go against his will, you know? And yeah, we everyone slips up every now and then and everybody has days, right? But it's a clear difference for me is my conscience in general because whenever I lived in sin, and I was just jaded to it. I had no type of feeling towards it. I just did it so naturally, you know? And at that time, uh, it just wasn't really a thought process whenever it came to it. I really never really felt bad about uh, certain actions that I would, you know, have and responses that I would have. But now it's just like completely different. Like, I feel like my eyes are open in a certain way, you know? Man, I'm excited to hear about this. So go ahead and like tell tell us what it was like growing up. Where does it start and you know what what is your addiction? Well, growing up, a uh, single parent household, my mom raised me along with the help of my grandmother and my grandfather. Uh she worked three jobs from whenever I was born until like 12, 13 and maybe even longer than then. So my mom in my household was always the person that I looked to. She was always the person that 
regardless of the situation, I never felt like I had less. There was never a time where I felt like I didn't have, you know, I always had food. I always had Christmas came around. Yeah, I'd get like one present, but it was like the present I wanted though, you know? <laughs> so it's just my mom, she she definitely had that good a good poker face, I would say, you know, uh, my whole childhood. And slowly as time goes by, you see that kind of peel back a little bit. But I'd say most of my, my childhood, it was great, you know. My father was never really around, but I'm just so young, you know. I just think, you know, he's probably busy doing something else or, or you know, I always used to make up stories about my dad not really being there. I'd be like, oh, he's out fighting alligators, you know, because <laughs> I forgot what that dude's name was. But, you know, he'd be on the TV, like, you know, catching alligators and looking at different animals and stuff. He yeah. died. I think he got stung by a stingray. Yeah, the crocodile hunter. Uh-huh. I can't remember his name now. Yeah, he was so cool to me as a kid. So I'd be like, yo, he's out there catching alligators or doing something <laughs> crazy. But nah, he was just working a normal job just like everybody else, just living 10 minutes away. But, you know, just never came around, really. So. I never really talk about it too much because I just feel like, yeah, it did affect me, but who really cares? You know, that's how I felt about it uh, a lot of the time. Mm. And that's just my honest to God opinion. Like, I'm still going to have to be the one to get up and, you know, get what I want at the end of the day. I'm not going to sit there and try to blame him for anything. In fact, I actually told him, I was like, thank you for bringing me into this world. Uh, you might be a cool person. I might never know, but I'm just thankful for what you did give me in my life and uh yeah that was it and i told him hey i'll you know maybe we can catch up one day <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah so that's about it but childhood wise good childhood you know love my grandma she is like everything to me honestly she's the one that made me really believe in in the spirit not not really the word yet Cause I, you know, I compartmentalize things. So I feel like the spirit and the word are two different things. Some people, you can feel the spirit on them, but they're not exactly sharp in the word. They don't have their, they don't really have that yet. Right. But she's the one that made me feel the spirit. Cause every time she'd pray over me in Spanish, you know, I didn't even know what she was saying, but I just felt good, you know? So that's, that's really one of the people that, uh, kind of, you know, made me feel like, you know, there's something, something to this. And, uh, yeah, I really like growing up in San Angelo. I have good friends, good family here. It's a small town. Everybody knows each other. It's kind of weird, you know, uh, sometimes you want to meet, see new faces or whatever, but for the most part, I could do whatever I want, whatever I wanted, which is a good and a bad thing. That's, that's pretty much how I explain it. Just real easy living, Going about my day to day, trying to have a blast. <laughs> that was how I explained it. <laughs> so when did it get not that way? Like when would that childhood description change? Whenever you start to see the people, your role models, you start to see the mask kind of the person behind the mask of who they portrayed to you as a kid, you know? That's one thing I've noticed is time's always going to show, show your hand, right? like seeing my mom and she'd always put on a good poker face whenever she'd come home from a, a long shift or whatever. 
But getting older, I just realized, I was like, man, my mom, my mom looks just like, just hollow inside sometimes, you know, like in work can really do that to you. You know, now that I know <laughs> work can be draining, you don't want to do anything. Sometimes when you get off, you don't have the energy to do anything. You just want to just lay there and just, just rest, you know, and you can see that and that would always make me feel like I need to get as much money as I possibly can. That's where I feel like my love for money had started. I would start, you know, trying to look for ways to earn money. I remember in elementary school, I would try to, you know, draw little pictures and get in like a Pokemon and then I'd sell them at school for five cents so I can buy an ice cream, you know, <laughs> and then in middle school, I was a really big sneakerhead, so I knew how to clean shoes. So that's what I do constantly. I just be like, hey, you know, you need your shoes clean. I can clean them for, you know, whatever, five bucks or whatever. And I'd make them look as close to dead stock as possible. Right. <laughs> uh, So that's just where I'm, like I got a little hustle going. You know, I'd, I've always had a hustle to me no matter what it was, what little I had to work with. We, me and my friends, we call it turning bologna into steak. Like, yeah, you, you're dealt these cards in life, but ultimately, what are you going to do with it? You know, seeing my mom go through that and oh, man, it, it still hurts me a little bit, even though we're, you know, in a way better position than we were. There was just rough times, man, you know, and just seeing my mom cry, like just seeing sometimes the, the lights getting cut off in the house or whatever. My mom's stressed out because she's not going to know how we're going to get this or that and you know that really affected me more than I knew at the time now that I look back on it that's where I think a lot of my pressure I would say was as a lad <laughs> was to try to get a job or something or trying to always find something to get money with you know that's whenever I'd say around that that 11 to 13 ish area where I noticed like okay something's not all the way right, you know? You start to notice a difference between yourself and your peers almost, you know? That's whenever it really starts to kick in, like, hey, I don't got those certain shoes. Or like, oh, my friend, he's poloed down to the socks, you know? I'm over here wearing, like, the big U USPA <laughs> collar shirts and stuff. <laughs> like, you start to notice little things like that. And, it, and as a kid, you know, no, I want that. So I tried my hardest to go get it. How'd that work out? What'd you do for that? It's all started with just my little side hustles. And then whenever I was 14, I actually did this program to where you could get a job right over the summer. And that whole summer, I just worked. It was the at the water department of the city of San Angelo. And I was sitting there filing papers and inputting them into a computer at 14. What? For hours. <laughs> Eight hours a day. I look around at all the people around me and everybody just looks sad. Like I'd walk into the room and I just feel like everything's like gray right now, you know, like it just felt like there was a filter over that room. And it sounds like a sweatshop. Yeah, it it just, you know, I told myself I'm never going to have an office job. That's just not going to be me. You know, I just knew at that point. Even though I know, like, some office jobs, they do pay a lot, you know. 
or whatever. But I just, me personally, I just, I got to work manual labor or something. I just, I was, I feel like that's where that came from, you know, kind of like what I'm doing today almost. But, um, that love of money just, you know, okay, nothing's ever going to be enough. Now I realize that now, uh, just barely, there's never going to be enough money in your pocket that's going to make you happy. Hate to break it to y'all. There's never going to be enough money to where you feel good in life. So the fact that we just go to work and we put these things over other things in life, it just, it can lead you in a very dark place, you know? So I'd say in high school is whenever it got kind of bad for me in a sense where now I noticed I had a problem where I remember one time I had quit my job at Market Street and my mom was like, okay, well, if you don't want to work, I'm going to give you $5 a day for lunch. And at that time, there's a little sandwich shop, right? And she was like, here's your $5, go get you a sandwich and a drink or whatever for lunch, right? And then I was like, man, I, I want two sandwiches. What I would do was I'd go in the restrooms, <laughs> literally, and I'd be shooting dice with my friends for like half of that period before lunch. We'd be in the restrooms shooting dice, right? Sometimes I'd lose it all. <laughs> I would go hungry that day, not knowing what I'm going to eat, uh, just sitting there starving like, man. But it was always the chance of winning. The chance of winning is just like intoxicating almost. And so guess where I was the next day doing the same thing. And <laughs> despite my problems that I had the day before, I didn't care. I was like, the chance of me winning $15 Compared to me having five just starting out, like, what? Are you crazy? Like, I'm going back in that restaurant. I'm trying to get my money back. <laughs> so that's just where, it, and that's just where, you know, it all started. Innocent as that, just little $5 games. And then it gets worse. Whenever you start gambling, you try to treat everything like you're gambling. Even with your life sometimes, you know? My whole high school, I smoked weed, right? So I never really had the need to to drink. So I was just a, a stoner all throughout high school. Like me and my friends wake up first thing in the morning. We'd all be hitting our little pins before school, you know, and uh, we go to school all messed up and just sit there in front of the teacher just drooling like some idiots, you know, just like, oh, <laughs> like completely spaced out. And at the time, those are some of the best times of my life. <laughs> like just having fun with my friends, listening to music, like just not just trying to not worry about anything, you know? So was it having fun or was it hiding from the fears of your responsibilities? Hiding from the fears of my responsibilities, 100%. A hundred percent. I never really felt like I had the strength to face my fear or my responsibilities. You know, me, I was, I was a, what we like to call a finesser. I wasn't in there to see, okay, how can I earnestly, honestly get this good grade on this test? No, <laughs> I'm not going to study. I'm going to be smoking weed the whole time I should be studying and I'm going to go in there 
And then I'm going to cheat off the smart girl, girl that sits next to me in class. And, you know, I thought I got away with it. And it's so funny. <laughs> Turning bologna into steaks. Mm-hmm. Turning bologna into steak. Yes, sir. That's what I thought it was. You know, honestly, you just, no, nah, you just put that bologna in the fridge, brother. You just saved it for another day. It's just bologna. It's just bologna because <laughs> you get to college and you're like, wait a minute. Y'all ain't going to teach that? No, y'all should have already learned that in high school. Oh, okay. But yeah, and it's funny because this girl that I always used to cheat off of, shout out to her. She told me the next year, I remember, because one of my friends was talking to me and me being prideful and full of ego. My friend was like, oh, man, how'd you how'd you get through uh, pre-AP chemistry? You know, I was like, oh, man, that was nothing. I was just chilling, you know, I was just, you know, and she was like, man, those tests were hard, weren't they? I was like, yeah, you know, it was like, and then the girl, she was sitting there, she was like, you know, I knew that you were cheating off me every day, right? And I saw you looking at my sheet on the test, and I just kind of looked at her, I was like, uh, oh, for real? Like, whenever you're caught in a lie bad, (laughs) and your face turns red, bro, and you just sitting there like, man. That she called you out. Yeah, she called me out big time. But I deserved it, you know. Mm-hmm. It was it was the truth. And usually I try to lie my way out of it. But I was like, hey, you know, you got me. Hey, sometimes you got to learn when to fold them. Or know when to walk away. So that's kind of like, that was kind of like me in a nutshell growing up. Always a procrastinator. Always uh was on my back foot. But somehow found a way to make things all right fast forwarding you get out of i get out of high school i absolutely despised college you know college was uh it was fun doing everything other than going to class and actually doing what you're supposed to be there to do and uh this is where my choice as i was well my freedom of choice was the strongest because I'm at a space where I can choose whether or not I want to go to class, right? I can choose whether whether I show up to class that day. My mom's at work. I'm kind of just out here just doing whatever I want. This is where the gambling started getting bad or worse. So did the drinking and so did the smoking. And I would say those are my three addictions Yes, I have multiple. <laughs> uh, I have multiple, you know, not just one. You sound like a allaholic. Mm-hmm. Anything that I do, I go, I go all or nothing, you know. Anything that I like to do, rephrase that, you know, because if it was everything, I would have been a, I would have been a scholar or something. <laughs> Who knows, <laughs> right. you know? Right. <laughs> but it was literally just the things that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's whenever. I, Things started to get more intense in life. And uh, not so much the the alcohol just yet, but it was more of the gambling and the weed smoking. I started trying to sell weed now so that I can smoke for free and I'd have a little bit of change in my pocket, right? Mm. Looking back on myself now, I'm like, I was risking time in jail for this. For what? For nothing at all. Something that you're going to burn away. Something that has no importance, does not help you in life. 
something that is just you don't need, you know? I didn't see that, though. All I saw was, no, nah, I'm going to get high, and I'm going to have some money in my pocket, right? So what I would do with that money, this leads back into gambling. I'd take that money, and I would buy Bitcoin with it. And with this Bitcoin, there's these online casinos, essentially, that you can play these games. It's basically gambling. Um, I remember one day I hit my first win. I turned $10 into $100. And then I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to walk away now. So I stopped, turned off my computer, uh, and went on about life. And then I was like, you know what? Let me try that again. So I go back in and I essentially turn that 100 into like $2,500 just playing various different games on this website. I'm not going to shout it out because it's bad. Don't go on there. It's not good for you. <laughs> and then another day, I keep winning. I just keep winning. All of a sudden, my balance on there, I had about $10,000 worth of Bitcoin on that account, right? Oh, dang. Yeah. It got, it got serious to where... I'm just staying up all night. There'd be nights where I'd lose like 5,000 and then I'd keep playing until I broke even. And that'd be like all nighters just on this game, not making it to class. I'm not showering, bro. I'm not doing nothing. I'm just playing this game for hours and just, just like a drone almost, you know? And I don't I don't ever tell anyone this story at all. I don't know. Nowadays I get embarrassed about stuff like this <laughs> cuz I'm just a, such a different human now. It's kind of weird. Yeah. One day I lost it all. <laughs> you keep going until you lose it all. I told myself, I kept telling myself, I'm going to make it back. I always I've been down way more than this. And then it got to the point where okay, uh I haven't been down as much as this but i can definitely make something back until there's nothing no hope left everything's gone and you're just kind of sitting there stuck in your room and i remember i cried (laughs) i cried at that moment shoot man i mean ten dollars into like ten thousand could have walked away and got a car yeah i know (laughs) thanks trent Thank you for that. <laughs> well, you know, I was I, <laughs> I was kind of thinking like, man, when you were sharing that, I was like, I, w- I like to give like a, well, look at the bright side type of response. You know, I was thinking, well, if you think about it, when you lost it all, you lost 10 bucks. So I thought about it, but then I was like, but then like, I don't know how many days you were doing that, man. Like if you, if you could look back and say, somebody said, hey, give me 10 bucks. And I will just take a couple weeks of your life away from you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I never thought about God. it like that. I mean, I... Jeez. Yeah. It makes me sweat just thinking about it because I just remember that feeling that day. I started crying. And I said, why, God? Why? Why are you doing this to me? What did I do, God? 
Like, please, God, just help me get my money back. <laughs> like, oh, man. Sounds like a real prayer. Nah, not at all, man. That was, oh. I don't like that, you know? I don't like the way I prayed, like, how I used to pray, you know? I felt it always came from a bad place in my heart. It never came from, like, a good, wholesome place in my heart, you know? And now that's really important to me. But anyways, I ended up losing it all. And I'm like, you know, whatever. And I guess there's, it's a blessing because uh, that it's a blessing and a curse because that was one of the reasons why I even started buying cryptocurrency. And now I have a portfolio and I'm actually doing pretty all right for myself, you know. And this whole time I'm doing this, mind you, shooting dice in the restroom, losing all my money, uh, playing this game. I'm up, I don't know when to walk away, and I lose everything. I still don't think I have a problem, you know? I still think in chain-smoking joints uh, in my mom's driveway. <laughs> oh, man, I was a mess this whole time. And then, and then I turned 21. Mind you, before this, I never drank at all. I've seen drinking do horrible things to people in my family, you know. I've seen premature heart attacks. I've seen my grandpa lose literally everything, all because of the love of alcohol, you know, and alcoholism. And then I turned 21. And it turns 21, you know, it's nothing special or anything. But you do, in a sense, unlock a little superpower which we like to call, now you can buy alcohol, right? <laughs> it starts off, you just drinking with your friends, having a good time, not thinking much of it, right? Then it turns into, well, I'm bored tonight. Let me just go get a drink real quick and then uh, smoke a little joint. I'll feel a little better. Then it turns into, you're drinking every night because you're kind of a sad human, you know, at that point. I know it sounds like I'm kind of fast forwarding. Obviously, it took a little bit. It, there was some time in between those phases. But ultimately, if you're drinking excessively, not too many of us are going to end up in great places in life. You know, whenever you mix certain addictions, right, like alcoholism gives you confidence and you start to gamble with not just money, but you start to gamble with your life in a sense. Because you, you bet on yourself, right? So say I'd get drunk. I'd be like, I bet I can get myself home right now. I'd hop in a car, drunk and high. And then I'd smoke on top of that. That leads into you gambling with your life. <laughs> like hopping in, not just gambling on your life, gambling on anybody else's life on the road, right? Because there is plenty of times I've woken up in my bed and I'm like, how did I get here? And it freaked me out. But this is where addiction comes into play. And despite the problems that you've had or it might cause you being late for work, uh, dropping out of school, even though your school was paid for, you know, um, just a whole bunch of stuff. It you don't you don't really care. You don't at all. It's not as important as your next. Hi. Yeah, 
it's not as important. Nothing was important to me except how am I going to drink and how am I going to smoke and how am I going to get the money to do so? So did you get a DWI? Oh, that's a great question, man. I'm man. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. I thought that's where you were going. <laughs> a year and a couple months later, after I turned 21, mind you, I never really drank before I even turned 21. Now I'm 21 and I'm sitting here with a DUI. It was late night. Me and my friends were coming home from a bar. What was I doing? Playing pool. For what? Money. Man, that's crazy. Mm. How it all just came to one singularity. Smoking. Had weed in my sock. (laughs) I always kept it in my sock. Because there was actually a Playboy Cardi song that said, hide it in my sock. And I just thought it was cool. Yeah. Just like an idiot. Oh, I was an idiot, man. I always I say this in our small group all the time. If I can go back in time and slap the mess out of myself, if I could just go back in time and say, What are you doing? and slap myself in the face, I would do so. Back to my DUI. We're leaving the bar now, two AM. We're cruising back down, open containers in the car. Uh Cop stopped me, and he. the reason for him stopping me was because my license plate was out. And I was like, okay, you know, I was nervous, yes. I'm always nervous around the police. That's just how I grew up. My grandpa always told me, do not trust them. They're not your friends. They're not trustworthy people, which, you know, he was projecting his fears on me. And, uh... Similarly enough, me and my grandpa are a lot sim- uh, similar in a lot of ways, you know, mm. with our addictions. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I get pulled over. He puts me through the whole test. I'm doing every test. uh, Like, you know, just to walk in the straight line, follow the pin with your eyes. Um, can you stand on one leg for a certain amount of time? And then, yeah, he took me to the clink. (laughs) He took me to the clink. He said, we're going to breathalyze you, but we're going to take you down to the station. Went down to the station. um, Impounded my car. I remember my mom, she pulled up. She was yelling at the cop. What do you do with my son? Oh, where are you taking him? And I was just staring out the window. (laughs) Yeah. In cuffs. Mm. Anybody that's been in the back of a police car, you know that is the worst, one of the worst feelings. Gosh. I don't know. I I don't know if you can relate, Trent. Bro. <laughs> but do, do you know what I mean? Do you know that feeling? Yeah, man. You know it? I think I've been in the back of a car like seven times. But one time, I, they gave me a ride somewhere. Really? Yeah, so I wasn't in cuffs that one time. You were tripping. You were just like, yeah, get a ride. Yeah. I asked him for a ride. Uh-huh. And he's like, You asked the cop for a ride? Are you crazy? <gasps> All right. Quick side story. 
All right. Go into a marriage retreat out in Junction. Oh. Got my wife in the in the truck. And this is our first time taking this truck out of town. I didn't realize that the thing was low on gas when we left town. And so like the gas light came on and I was like, oh, I can make it. I can make it. Um, you know, 12, 12, 12 more miles, man. The gas light just came on. I thought yeah. I always thought you had 50 miles to eat when the gas light came on. Uh-huh. Anyway, it was a bunch of hills. And I remember at the top of the hill, that thing shut off and I just rolled it. I was like, all right, let's see how far we go. Cause I knew we were getting close, but I was going to have to walk the rest of the way into town mm-hmm. and we roll up. And when that truck comes to a stop, I'm all, I get off on the side of the highway and there's a trooper right there, mm-hmm. right where the car dies. I get out, walk over there. I'm like, Hey man, just ran out of gas. <laughs> uh, I see there's like a, there's a, the gas station is just like a mile and a half down the street right there. Um, you think you can give me a ride of this so I can get a gas can. He's like, sorry, man, I can't, I can't do that. And so I was like, all right. So I hand my wife my gun. I'm like, I'll be right back. And I start walking. And as soon as I get out of the sight of the trooper, he pulls up and he says, get in the car. I'll, I'll give you a ride. So I get in and then he just drops me off. Like I have to walk back. But that was the one time that I was actually sitting in the back of so a car. So you had the gun on you while you was in the back of a police car? No, I gave it to my wife because oh, I was about geez. to leave her on the side okay. of the highway by herself. That scared me, boy, because you know how them police officers get. Does he have a weapon? But in, anyways, yeah. That's, see, that's another thing. Whenever you're riding life and you, you're walking in good faith, you, you're not really scared of too much. I'm not scared of too much no more, you know? There's there's one thing I am scared of, and, is, and that's God not knowing me, I would say. Mm. I'll tell you this. You can look the world in the face when you have brought all of your shadows into the light mm-hmm. nothing scares you anymore because what we're really afraid of is our own responsibilities our own skeletons you know yeah yeah yeah. what we got going on so get so being in the back of that cop car this dui going to jail was this like did they breathalyze you at the jail by the way yes that cop was doing you a favor mm-hmm. he was letting time go by so that uh you might not Check out too high when you breathe into that thing. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. You know, most people, they, they start talking mess to the cops or whatever. Or they start trying to act tough with them. I was like, thank you guys for your for doing y'all's job. You make the streets a lot safer. Y'all are great people. What? In my mind, I'm like, ooh, I'm hot. I'm like, ooh, if I can just slap this dude. He was like, <laughs> He's making like little jokes too and stuff like that and. Oh, man, it was just a really weird... You weren't laughing. No, I wasn't laughing at all. (laughs) I was like in the back of the cow car, like tears coming to my eyes because I just seen my... It felt like a movie. My mom's yelling at the cop. The cop's like, hey, step back, step back. And then my sister's over there arguing with him too, and I'm just in the back with the lights, like looking out the window. (laughs) Like, Bro, like a little, you know, things I don't want to say. And um, and it's just kind of funny looking back on it now. But at the time, yeah, I was, I was hurt. I was real hurt, you know. Like, was that a big pivotal point? I would say so. I remember a couple weeks before, I was sitting in my room, college dropout, working at a dead end job I hated. You know, nothing to show for my life really. And I prayed to God that night, and I said, "Lord, take me out of this situation." Please, like, I need your help. I need a change in life. 
And that's why I tell people now, I say, be careful what you pray for. (laughs) It's true. Because regardless of what you think and you vision in your mind, that is not the same thing God is going to do. I'm telling you this right now. Yes, your prayers will be answered. (laughs) But he's going to do what he feels is necessary, right? So long story short, I'm in the back of the police car. takes me to the station. I remember going in there, uh, people yelling. It was like beyond scared straight. There's this dude in like a straight jacket and a wheelchair thing. Uh, he was screaming, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. Uh, not like that, but a lot more distressed and disgruntled. <laughs> you know, the sheriff's, I got scared, so I stopped walking. The sheriff like pushes me in through the door. One of my friends that was with me, he got locked up too that night. Shout out to him. And uh, I'm trying to get him closer to the Lord too. And, you know, I think it's working. But like you said, I barely failed the breathalyzer. I think I was a .08 exactly. Mm-hmm. So spent the night in jail. And I was just thinking the whole time, like, why did it never had to go like this? Like, I've always... Before then, I didn't even have a speeding ticket. Like, I just never had to face that, you know? I mean, you know, humans were stubborn, so get out of jail. I'm clean for a couple couple months, and then, you know, you know I'm going to drink again. This was one of the a second pivotal moment in life. I remember getting drunk and feeling an absurd amount of depression and anxiety like I have never felt before, and I felt horrible whenever I was drinking and I just, you know, I was like, you know, let me just keep drinking. Let me whatever, whatever. And, uh, I was just having these horrible thoughts in my head. Oh man. I don't even want to utter those words from my mouth, but essentially I was thinking about, yes, you know, taking my own life because I was just, I was just so hurt and disappointed in myself and where I was, and I felt such a low sense of self-worth, and that just added with the alcohol, and now I know that bad feeling, it was because it was God saying, no, don't do this, and I still did it, (laughs) that was what that bad feeling was, because I still kind of get it to this day a little bit, right, Mm. Uh, so I'm drunk driving again, like I didn't learn a thing, and it was a Thursday, and I'm driving down uh, right there where that Mark, where Market Street is. Mm-hmm. There's a little neighborhood and a little bank over there. I take a left going towards Market Street, and then I feel something to the right of me as I pass Market Street. I pass that gas station right across the street from, you guessed it, Celebration Church. And I've never told anybody this story. I feel like a presence. And all these cars in there. And I just hear like subtle bass hits. Like just real subtle. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, hmm. Something's telling me in my mind. I'm just like, turn in. Go inside. Go inside. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. That's what I remember thinking to myself. So boom. Me. Drunk. Drunk in the skunk, get out of my truck, shut the door. I walk in. Officer Bruce is right there. Officer Bruce is right there. <laughs> yes. Yes. He is right there staring 
giving me what I feel like was a the evil eye. You know, because <laughs> it's the police. He was born with it. <laughs> yeah, he has a very uh, serious look on his face, and I walked the opposite direction because he sit. You know, anywhere knows where he sits. He sits at those little stools sometimes, or the little bar stools. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna go this way." So boom, I go in this way, and uh, it already it, uh, the service had already kind of started, and uh, I see Pastor Keenan. Man, just a sermon he had that day, talking about how. We are the ones that throw mud in our wells and we're constantly polluting ourselves. You know, we do things that our flesh wants, but we don't do things that our spirit wants, you know, and just and I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but that's just kind of where I what I got from it. And just I, I started crying, break down crying, <laughs> you know, like crying. And then I remember Andrew, he came up to me. Yeah, he told me to call him the ginger or something. Hopefully I got that right, dang. You're not a ginger, man. You a great soul to this day, you know. We don't even speak much, you know, at all. But he came up to me and he prayed for me, bro. Something clicked that day. I fr- I don't even remember what I, he was praying for me. I just felt a sense of, like, acceptance and comfort and that feeling of it's going to be all right, man. It's going to be okay. Uh, you can, you can get through this, you know, just walk, walk with me. That's whenever my whole life changed. I started going there every week. I started attending House of Jaira on Sundays and just trying to learn, you know, and at that point I would have never dreamed I would have even known who Trent was. People now I consider my, some of my close friends now you know i see them every weekend you know (laughs) we've eaten meals together like we've had fun played madden together like uh but yeah at the time i never even thought i was gonna be a part of a community like this but whenever i started following god and just i had a hunger for god he started putting people in my life just one after another you know and uh first it just started with andrew and then Pastor Keenan. And then now I find myself signing up for a small group. And I didn't know what co-ed was. I thought it was like co-op, like a video game. Okay, we just whatever, clicked it. Best mistake I ever made in my life. Like, to this day, I, you know, Trent is so cool, man. Stop. <laughs> Debbie is so cool, you know. True. <laughs> and I look up to these people, you know that spirit that these people carry. I just respect them so much, you know? And it's crazy that I'm here now on a podcast so randomly. But if you really have that moment and you feel like God has exposed himself to you and you really feel that light and that feeling, he, your life will 180 in a day. My whole life flipped, man. I have all these new friends now. You know, I handle situations differently now. Like, I don't, I try not to come from a place of judgment and anger anymore, you know? That's one of my hard stances. Like, because who am I? I always ask myself. I wake up every morning, I'm like, who am I? Nothing but a, you know, no good sinner. But what am I not going to do? I'm not going to turn my back towards the light and face the darkness. I'm going to make 
the conscious decision to turn to the light, regardless of how you feel. Are you going to turn towards the light or are you going to turn towards uh, what is what feels good to us humans naturally? You know, it's just crazy. I, I, I don't walk with constant fear. Whenever I started following God, things slowly started to fall into place for me, like um, this job that I, you know, I, I did not like. I'm working there uh, 12 hour days. I'm having to make excuses, you know, um, and I almost lost this job, too, <laughs> whenever I got my DUI, by the way, because I also had a marijuana possession charge as well. Go ahead and tack that on there real quick. Um, <laughs> had a possession charge as well of some of the reefers. But yeah, nonetheless, I almost lost that job. That's also added to the reason why I just felt like at that time where I, the world was just crushing me. Mm. And then I went in that church drunk, <laughs> very drunk. Come as you are. Yeah. In a sense, like I just showed up and it wasn't even a plan. I had no clue about any of this. I thought it was just like just a church sermon or something. I don't know what was even going on. Like, what is Celebration Church? It could have been anything. You know, my eyes are fixed on God and and I want to be around God's people, the people that have that spirit in them, you know, and they know the word and they're sharp. So I can sharpen my, my blade as well, you know. Iron sharpens iron. So that's why I really respect, you know, Trent once again and Debbie for always like opening up their home and stuff because this really that really like helped me a lot because I was in a real sensitive state, you know, a couple, you know, now I'm more solid, like I'm more firm. But for a while there, I was a little, you know, shaky. I'm a wobbler. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't have this community and I like they weren't constantly just speaking God's good name, oh, just blessing me like that right there is what really set the tone for me, you know, like into this new year and for the rest of my life, you know, like. I don't get mad anymore. Like, well, I get mad, but I know how to deal with it now. You know, mm. I put certain, you know, reactions into place to where I can be whenever, like I was telling Trent the other day, like if I think something negative about something, even if I think it, I say three positive things out loud about that same person because boom, your whole perspective will shift. I advise anyone, if you feel so negative towards somebody, try that. Your whole perspective of them will shift like that. And like little things like that, just to just to keep that negativity and that evil off of me, you know, because it's a spiritual warfare out here, man. All it takes is something is meaningless or is like little. Now what I see is little, but at the time when I was going through it, like life ending, you know, which is ridiculous. Oh, mm -hmm. so ridiculous. And that's why it hurts me to just even see old Kobe like. Oh, man, it hurts my soul sometimes, man. Seeing how I was and just seeing how I treated people and seeing how I treated myself. It's just like the way I hated myself, I projected that onto other people, you know. And uh, I just want to say to my old self, man, if it's going to be all right, you know. Walk with God and God has never left you. His spirit is always there. And trust in him. Have faith in him. Like they say all the time. It's a little thing at Celebration Church I picked on. Walk by faith, not by sight. 
Indeed. <laughs> I did not know this stuff, man. I'd like to send that little clip about you showing up at Celebration Church over to Keenan. I think you would love that. Yeah, and you know, the craziest thing about Pastor Keenan, I tried to talk to him, bro. <laughs> I tried to, whenever it was his uh, final sermon at uh, Celebration, ooh, man, I I tried to talk to him, and I just, I was about to start crying again, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. I started looking up at the sky, because you know how the tears start coming, you start- <laughs> Flush them down. <laughs> like trying to get them, your eyeballs to absorb them or something. I don't know what it is, even though that didn't help. I was just lost for words, man, and you know, he was praying for me. And uh, he was like, so what, what has been going on with you, man? Like, what? And then I was like, after hearing the sermon, I just felt so ashamed. Not not like he was putting shame on me. You felt convicted, not condemned. Oh. Yeah. Bars. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I felt convicted, yes. I felt convicted. I was like, why? Why would I ever think about doing such treacherous acts to God's temple, which is all of us within us, you know, why would I ever, like, like you said, clean the temple, like, dang, oh, oh, man, I really needed that, (laughs) I'm gonna start crying again, what, what, (laughs) no, no, I ain't gonna cry right now, it's cool, but it's real, it's real, that's what I want to say to anybody, because at a certain point the world tries to convince you that that spirit that that spirit is not real you know even though it's with you i promise you it's with you to this day right now as we as you sit here listening to this podcast sometime in the future but the spirit is a, a real thing it's alive and it's well once you feel that conviction in your heart don't fight it man let it be let it course through your veins have that spirit in you like rise to the top walk with god fix your eyes on god and god's spirit you know whether you see that spirit in other people and of course the bible certain stories testimonies the spirit can dwell with anything that it sees fit you know thank you Thank you for sharing your testimony on here. Uh, I believe that people are going to be impacted by that. I know I was. I would ask you if there's any last words for the listener, but man, like, you just had spit it out. So, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe. If you really liked it, share it with somebody. Kobe, you want to pray us out? Yes, I will. Uh, Almighty Father, God in heaven, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, thank you for the fruits of your labor and the sacrifice that you, an innocent man, had taken for the, the souls of many guilty men. And your sacrifice will not be in vain, Lord, for you have won us over into the kingdom of heaven and we'll continue to praise your name through our testimony and through our righteousness as we walk through this world 
with you, Lord. Thank you for being with us in spirit. Amen. Amen.